this show was so gross. It was so disgusting. And that's just a, uh, a testament to the special effects. I... Ew. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of um, George Romero's Day of the Dead, 1985 zombie movie. I loved it. Classic movie. What made this movie Day of the Dead, I'm talking about, I'll, I'll get to the Nick in, in, in just a second, but what made Day of the Dead stand out to me, and I saw it when I was a, a little kid back in the 80s, was the special effects. Special effects artist uh, Tom Savini wanted just not to throw, you know, a bunch of sausages in the mix. Um, kind of like what he did in Dawn of the Dead, but he made it, the special effects, anatomically correct. Tom Savini um, is a Vietnam veteran. Uh, he was a photographer in Vietnam, and he saw up front the gore the real-life gore of war. And that kind of inspired him when it came time to do special effects to go a step forward. Um, and he would look at medical books. And I remember an interview with him. It's a documentary called Scream Greats um, about Tom Savini. And he took out medical textbooks. And Savini himself, who saw, who saw a lot of real-life gross stuff, said, this is some real gross stuff, and he based his effects on that. So I was reminded of that when watching The Nick, because it's a show not entirely accurate about where surgery was in New York City in 1900 at the time. Um, however, I think it wanted to go for that anatomical um, accuracy. So, ooh, so yeah. And then I also read that, that gloves were a thing in 1900. I think it started, to, uh, it, it would, it started to, to come into existence in surgery like maybe 10 years before. So historical inaccuracies aside, that's not necessarily the point um, when making good TV. It certainly helps, and I don't know why they didn't do that with the Nick. It would have making it more accurate just would have added to the flavor of the overall show, which I think what a lot of good TV is about is about people and their relationships, their relationships to their their work, their relationships to each other, their relationships to overall society based on who they are and based on what the time is. And I think Nick, the Nick did that really well. Um, from Thack, I know him as Thack because I just watched like all of, the, I watched so many episodes. I, I watched all like 20 episodes in maybe a month. Um, I have, uh, you know, more time at home because I'm staying at home because we're in a pandemic. So I watch that show to just kind of decompress from, you know, from, from working uh, all day from home. Anyway, um, so let me start with Thack. Um, who he is, uh, his relationship to his work and to society. Uh, Thack um, is a brilliant doctor who has his demons, who has his pain, and it creates like a loop. So his pain drives his work, his work drives his pain, and while he does make advancements, he ends up destroying himself, literally taking himself apart. And the finale of, you know, the finale of the finale, you know, one of the last scenes, 
I just, it was so moving, so disgusting, but so moving. Kind of, it kind of encapsulate encapsulates what the show is. He <laughs> he's performing surgery on himself. He has his guts in his hands, and he pauses, and he's dying. He's killing himself for his work. Part of the reason why. Um, and he stops. Beautiful performance by Clive Owen all throughout the show. And he stops. And he pauses and he says something like, this is what we are. And it's just guts. So to Thack, it's just all we are is just guts. It makes us who we are because if those guts disappear, we're done. We're gone. And I think part of what Thack is saying is right. Yeah. This is who we are. I would disagree with Hack on on one point. It doesn't make us all who we are. We're not just all guts. It's certainly a part of who we are, and we need those guts to survive for sure. Um, but I think we're we're more than that. You know, we're we're shaped by we're shaped by a lot of things, um, and the, our guts are our shape in a way. Um, but Thack does raise a point. You know, I wouldn't say it's everything, but it's a big part. We we need those guts. And it was necrotic. That's such a heavy word, necrotic. And just due to what he just the self destruction um, throughout his life. And I definitely got a house vibe from from watching Thack. Um, you know, dealing with addiction. Uh, and we never really got as to why Thack did what he did or, or, or why the, the reason for Thack's addiction. It would have been nice if that would have been explored more. I realize there's no time, but it, it's, you know, it's it's okay to wonder. It's it's not really the a, a huge point of the character, uh, the why, at least for Thack. Um, it would have been cool, but yeah, whatever. Um, and then... Uh, Who's next? Let's go to Dr. Algernon Edwards. Um, a, a person who society shaped him, and I think a person between the two worlds of one who was raised um, with a certain amount of privilege, but he had that privilege being a black man and especially a black man in 1900, and then, you know, further back, he was probably a child in post-Civil War, you know, I guess the 1880s. So how he is kind of in the middle, and the show explored that, especially with Opal, his wife, you know, uh, who voiced um, most likely the anger of the people that, that Dr. Edwards would deal with throughout the show, whether it was uh, people at the digs, at the hotel where he stayed, um, his his wife, and then dealing with the privileged uh, white people, the, the very, very rich white people who almost every step of the way, with the exception of a few, discounted him because of the color of his skin. Edwards, a brilliant, brilliant doctor, you know, on the level of Thackeray, just 
his innovations were were there, but he also was self-destructive. Um, if I had to guess from the pain of just growing up, from the pain of growing up as a black person, even though he was in privilege, he's still a black person. You know, doesn't matter. Um, he had more comfort, I would imagine, than, than most at the time, but he still had that pain. He still had that pain because of where he could... Well, of where he could have gone if he was white, based on his skill set and based on his intelligence, based on his innovation as a doctor. Um, and you saw that struggle with Dr. Edwards. His self-destruction was getting into fights. And his father, you know, uh, at the funeral of, um, of Mrs. Uh, 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 Robertson, kind of, you know, laid it out for him. Edwards was so self-destructive that he couldn't practice anymore. He couldn't practice what he was brilliant at because of his eye. Um, and while it, it seemed like he would go into the field of psychology, that's what it seemed like. In treating addiction, you know, t- taking on uh, the, the legacy of, of what Thackeray was doing. Maybe that's not what he wanted to do, but he has no choice because that asshole Gallinger did that to him. And let's talk about Gallinger, shall we? Gallinger was not a likable character from the start, and I think that was the plan. Um, not a likable character, but the, 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 the writers tried to uh, draw sympathy for him due to the death of his child, his wife murdered his child, um, two, two children. <laughs> Two children his wife murdered. Um, But from the start, you saw the bigotry in Gallinger, and it showed in his arc. But what fascinated me most about Gallinger was not only his unlikability, but was the hypocrisy of Gallinger. Mr. Eugenics, Mr. You know, I am part of a stronger, better race, yet his white wife killed two children. Had his, you know, wife been black, she would not have just, you know, gone to a sanitarium and would have gone to jail, would have been put to death. Um, but I would imagine because there's a good amount of privilege with his wife, she, and, and her story, and she was not treated well. I don't know if, if the treatment was considered good treatment at the time. I don't think it was. But imagine being Gallinger's wife, Obviously, a woman in 1900 Manhattan, Manhattan, and just having your teeth ripped out because it was thought to to treat mental illness. The the doctor who ripped out her teeth saw a correlation in good behavior, which obviously didn't turn out to be true. But you know, I guess maybe back then it was considered, oh well, it worked. I did this, therefore this happened. So uh, correlation, not causation. But obviously it did. It didn't work. His his wife wasn't well and, and had to go away again. But it shows the the, the hypocrisy. Shows the hypocrisy just in Gallinger himself. Just the the, the how, how cruel he was. But the cruelty was wrapped around. Oh well, I am I am good. I'm doing this for the good of humankind. Well, mankind really. I'm doing this for the good of of uh, making the world a better place. But it was just steeped in eugenics, which did which was a movement which 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 flourished back then and and was and was something that the Nazis used. And it was telling. When, when 
when Gallinger was told that he would start in Germany. He's oh, good a place as any. <laughs> you know, and, and what that brought about, what the eugenics movement brought about, how it helped inspire um, Nazism. So, um, so yeah, not a likable character overall. Great performance um, by the actor who played him, um, but not meant to be a likable character. Uh, a villain of the show, one of the villains of the show, uh, meant to be a foil for 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 sure uh Edwards um a little bit with with Thackeray and a little bit with Bertie but they kind of got along with Gallinger based on I would imagine the color of their skin uh professional respect but um just Gallinger from the start did not like Edwards one because of the color of Edwards skin and two because Edwards you know took the position that Gallinger thought was was rightfully his, which is another form of hypocrisy. You know, if, if Gallinger was so smart with the eugenics, you know, that's probably why he was so bitter. You know, he uh, his position was taken over, I guess, from, you know, from something that he thought was rightfully his, but it turned out it wasn't. It, it was... Edwards got the position. So, um... And I want to do three more characters. Uh, let's go to Hermie. <laughs> Herman. Just, for, again, from the beginning. Not as unlikable as Gallinger, I, but he just one of the villains of the show, if, you, if, if the show does have a villain. Um, right from the start, corrupt, skimming, thievery, someone who started out at one station in life and so desperately wanted to get to another station of life. Um, but unlike uh, Edwards, he was able to do it because of the color of his skin, just clawing his way up through any means necessary, through murder, you know, accessory to murder, through crime, um, uh, just and corruption, how, you know, just cheating on his wife, abandoning his children, um, for a younger woman, um, and then trying to make himself have a higher status than from what he started. Again, through corruption, bribery, skimming, thievery, clawing his way up there, because that's what he wanted to be, just based on where he came from. Um, so, uh, not, not a likable character, um, from my perspective, but a fascinating character. Fascinating character. It, another form of self-destruction where it's like, okay, here I am in life. I want more. I want more. And, and I was willing to put himself in harm's way to get there. And I think, you know, part of the psychology of, of Herman was... I'm going to destroy myself, and I'm going to claw myself back out of it. Then I'm going to destroy myself again, and I'm going to claw myself out of it. I'm going to keep going. He needed conflict. I think he wanted conflict. He thrived on conflict, you know, um, even though there was bodily harm to him, especially at the beginning, and financial harm to him, especially at the end. Um, and let's go to Nurse Elkins. Um another uh, just just what an interesting arc it seemed to really turn very fast with her um, from you start out oh mild mannered and oh what you know how innocent and then it just uh, you know 
for lack of a better word, de-evolved to her, her relationship with Thak, how she just, how, well, I, I wouldn't say turned on a, on a dime. The, the arc was there. So let me strike that. The arc was there, you know, her relationship with Thak, how she just enabled him. Um, and then, but how she got pleasure from him and how I think she genuinely loved him. And the end of that relationship turned into her being um, to get what she wants, um, more manipulative. So she used um, she used her body, she used her mind combined with her body to get what she wants. Whether it was doing the sexual acts with um, with Wu um, to make money, and then how she manipulated. Um, I forgot the the Robertson's son, uh, Cornelia's brother, uh, to get into a relationship with him, to get into a higher status, and in a, in a, in it kind of showed her origin story with her father in in, in really just a a flood of exposition. Um, how she just told her father as she killed him, "This is what I want. This is how I'm gonna get it." And this is what I'm going to do. And kind of not showing any remorse for it. Almost sociopathic. Um, meanwhile, she's a nurse who's helping to save lives. A very, very competent nurse who maybe if she wasn't a woman would have, you know. And who knows what her future was. Um, if she's, Whether she still practiced or not. Um, where she could have gone in nursing. You know, where she could have gone uh, being a doctor. Because that's what the interest that she showed. Um she certainly had the stomach for it and had the brain for it as well. Um, so, uh, and let's go to let's go to Birdie. Very likable character, um, kind of again in the middle. And it's so interesting just how prejudice uh, and judgment was just normalized back then. And you know, and and um, and I think prejudice is normalized through time. And. Uh, you know, and then it's pointing out, hey, this this is something that isn't necessarily the best thing to do, and it's being normalized. But just how how Bertie seemed to be uh, prejudicial of of Jewish people, and then he ended up being with with a Jewish woman. So as likable as Bertie was from a 2020 perspective, going, oh, how judgmental Bertie is, the 1900 Bertie. You know, um, so again, another innocent, another innocent person. You know, young, brilliant. Doctor, a uh, little bit of hero worship with Thack, um, trying to find his way, and you know Birdie was kind of the middle ground of you had Thack who was just this extreme risk taker and innovator and willing to you know put on the show the circus, um, but then you had oh god I forgot the doctor's name who worked at Mount Sinai, who is very measured. Let's look at evidence. Let's, before we go any further, what's the peer review? What's the rigorous research? And then we can move on. Very measured, very careful, as opposed to facts, you know, for lack of a better term, recklessness. Recklessness with himself, recklessness with medicine. But but that, just the innovations that he came on was really quick. While the doctor at Mount Sinai was another brilliant doctor, an innovative doctor, but did it in a different way. And I think Bertie encapsulated the middle ground between his two mentors. Um, so there's a time and place, I think, for both methods. And, and I think Bertie, with his advent, with adrenaline, was able to do that because of the teaching of his two mentors. Um, 
and then the story arc with his mother, you know, and and how, you know, how Bertie was influenced by the mentors in his life. So his father, the doctor at Mount Sinai, and Thack himself. Um, and so, yeah, so a likable character who was looking for love with Nurse Elkins. And, you know, thankfully for Bertie, you know, she may not have been the best match for him anyway. Uh, and, and obviously their relationship didn't work out. But he, but he, he did find someone. In, and, again, i got to have the, the cast in front of me, and I keep forgetting. Um, seemed to have a good relationship with um, the reporter that he ended up meeting at Mount Sinai. Um, and... And let's do one more character, which is Cornelia. Um, another character who, even though raised in privilege, uh, still a woman and still held back from her true potential, which was you know, she wanted to be in the thick of it. And she was such a great investigator and she had such passion and drive for doing good and working within the systems and then solving things using what she knows, using who she is. So it was perfectly and how relevant with uh, dealing with um, a typhoid, the typhoid outbreak, dealing with Inspector Spate, showing Inspector Spate, Inspector Spate, we have to go, we have to work with where these people are at or else you won't have the access. And even though Spate was very arrogant, Cornelia was able to work the system based on what she she knows, working from where they're at um, and getting the access to figuring out uh, uh, and, and to working with the typhoid epidemic and then using that access to working out with the Black Plague epidemic that her brother fucking started. God damn it. Stupid brother. Um... So, so Cornelia's true potential, I think, would be working within systems, um, solving something like an outbreak, but also using her great administrative skills. And again, she was held back because she was a woman. And in one of the scarier moments of it, just her father-in-law, how, just how creepy he was. Now, whether it was him trying to take advantage of a sexual nature, I think that's what the show was alluding to. But then I think it turned out that it wasn't necessarily that he wanted her for a sexual nature. He just wanted her to control your role. Cornelia is to have babies and to be a wife to my son and to be a woman and know your place. And at the end, in Cornelia's arc, she would not have it. And she fled. She fled to the literal other side of the world from just out of nowhere. Get me out of here. And she left. And, you know, probably went went on to do something great using just using her knowledge of systems, using her privilege, and using her brain and to get what she wants. So I would imagine um, uh, Cornelia has a bright future in in Australia. But <clears throat> another character that was held back, like Algernon, her love for Algernon, uh, for both Cornelia and Algernon, was not allowed. The baby that they both wanted would not have flown uh, in 1900 Manhattan. No way. And they knew this. That's why she got an abortion. Their relationship would not have flown in 1900 Manhattan, just the tension 
there would not have flown. And, and they knew this. And that love, that, that deep love they had from each other because they've known each other for so long and as kids would not have been allowed because of society. So she was held back from getting the relationship that she wanted and she was held back from the job that she wanted because, oh, you're a woman, you have to know your place, even though she was one of the best at it. And she was still held back. Um, okay, okay, so two more characters. Um, Harry, nurse, ha- not nurse, uh, well, sister, sister Harriet. Um, then later Rose Dolan, because she was uh, no longer a nun. Um, one of the minor characters, but but still, still enough to have an arc. Um, which was, you know, conflict and self-destruction, too, and identity with her. So it's um, the conflict where she was vast medical knowledge, she, you know, enough knowledge to be a nurse, but she had a, 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 another calling to be a nun. But the conflict in performing abortions in 1900, which obviously was a against the law and she still did it anyway because she did what she thought was right for the for the greater good of of the women who were were pregnant um so the conflict with that how she could have well she actually ended up achieving a lot of her potential as a businesswoman It, it it showed right away with her relationship with with cleary um the hustle that they both had, but the hustle that she had, whether it's, you know, making money from performing the abortions, um, to making money selling condoms. But again, with the conflict of, um, here, here she is a religious woman going against her religious beliefs and her identity, but still doing it because she thought she was serving a greater good. So if it wasn't performing abortions, which was again, a service to, uh, a lot of the privileged, so there was hypocrisy in that, you know, uh, hypocrisy in where, oh, well, we have to have babies and because it's the right thing to, you know, they're the ones getting the abortions. Um, and Harriet was performing them as a conflict with, with, who, with who she was as a nun. And then as her art progressed, um, you know, going through the jail, having that conflict, um, and then with her relationship with Cleary, which was, um, you know, Cleary, you know, I think, oh, it's Toby from This Is Us. <laughs> oh, Toby. Um, his arc was something to where, you know, okay, it's like you think of him as you know, he, another hustler, you know, corrupt not on the level of Herman, but still, you know, let me skim off a little bit and let me sell this and let me get that and I'm going to fight for money and I'm going to physically fight and, and, you know, deal with, you know, putting on illegal fights and, you know, all of that uh, to make money. Um, you know, businessman. But then also his way of <laughs> showing love to Harriet and manipulate, and, and again, in, in a show of exposition, how when he was in confession, how the priest said you manipulated the excommunication of a nun because you, you loved her, you know, and he's like, and he's like, I know the fucking point, you know, the, you know, you don't have to tell me that. So he knows what he did was wrong, and he did it anyway 
because he wanted to get who he wanted. Um, so it's conflict there. You know, he genuinely had a love for her, but instead of just saying, you know, you know, Harry, at the beginning, Harriet, I love you. You know, maybe try and think of not being a nun anymore, and let's try and figure out a way to do this. He got her to be defrocked due to these steps that it got out of control and he ended up getting her out of it. So it's like he lit the house on fire. He put the fire out and he he goes, I lit the house on fire because I love this house and I don't want to see it. And I want this house so much that I'm willing to burn it down or willing to burn a room in the house. I didn't want the whole house to catch on fire, but I wanted to destroy a room so I can so I can make the room my own and make the room better. You know, so it's like, oh, my God, talk about not self-destruction, but destruction of another because you love the person so much. So it's just, oh, my God. Ooh. Fascinating arc. Fascinating arc with um, with Cleary. So one would wonder. You know, because they're, they're, they're engaged, how their relationship progressed as business people, as a partnership, a business partnership, as a romantic partnership. How, you know, as he aged, if that guilt didn't tear him apart or what he would do with that guilt, how that guilt would come out. If he ended up confessing himself to Harriet or maybe he was afraid to because he didn't want to lose because because. Most likely she would have been like, I am out of here. That is one of the worst things you could possibly do to me. So maybe it would never come out. That would be fascinating. Would have this come out? Would he have confessed? If not, how would he handle that guilt? Whether it was through drinking, whether it was through fighting, whether it was through getting into arguments with her, whether it was through self-destruction, whether it was through getting help. You know, maybe that's why he confessed. You know, he wanted to just get it out somewhere. So who knows if if this would have been a secret that he held to his grave because he, because he loved her so much. So, again, uh, fascinating stuff with, with Cleary and Sister Harriet. So um, I think those are all the characters I'm going to do. But, but all throughout those character arcs was the overall, you know, show about a hospital in 1900 Manhattan and the changes that were going on um, and how within that hospital, the working relationships, the personal relationships, the relationships with society, I thought were encapsulated so well in this show. And it's one of those shows where it's like, oh, I would have loved to have seen more seasons. And apparently Steven Soderbergh said that he wanted the third season to be in 1947 Manhattan. So... All of these characters either would have been dead or would have been very old. I would have loved to have seen that. I love Flash Forward, so I, I would have loved to have seen the um, the Flash Forward in that respect, where these characters are. Thackeray is, was dead, um, but it, it would have been so cool to see where those characters were, or it would have been cool to see the Nick with different characters. I would have loved to have seen the characters that I got to know throughout those um, those two seasons, but it would have been nice to see more than Nick. It would have been nice to see how I don't really know anything about surgery, so it would have been nice to see how surgery advanced. Of course, maybe a little more accuracy. You, you could have been more medically accurate, um, I think, while still having these great character arcs. I don't think it would have changed anything, because as cool as watching the surgery was, um, the accuracy, I think, would have made the show stronger. It's it's a nitpick, um, 
but it did inspire me to look into what things were like back then, and that's why I love movies and TV so much, because it inspires me to look at what the real life was, because movies have dramatic license, of course. It can't be completely accurate all the time, but I think it could have been with surgery, while still maintaining uh, the great character studies of the show. So, um, really good stuff overall, and I think that's it. Wow, I've been going on for a half hour, and it's 4.30 in the morning. Luckily, I work, uh, I don't have to be at work so early. Um, and, uh, that being said, I hope everyone is taking care of themselves out there. Um, <laughs> I, what's today's date? Today's date is July 23rd, 2020. Um, and we are still in a pandemic. It, it is so surreal saying that we are in a global, we are in a pandemic right now. So I hope everyone is taking care. I hope everyone is staying safe. I hope everyone is practicing social distancing. I hope everyone is wearing a mask. Um, and I hope beyond hope that the information that everyone is getting is from a credible source. Please, now is not the time to, to news. Never really, and I never really say never, never, it's not the time, never a good time to go fringe, but especially now when it comes to, to information. So please get information from a credible source, whether it's the New York Times, USA Today, Washington Post, a credible source of media, um, credible source of science, because this is what's what's one of the things, one of the most important things to get us out of this is, is good, credible information. So please, 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 please use that to your advantage. And... Um, and take care of each other out there, not only with the pandemic, but with so many things that are going on. Please take care of, please take care of each other, and um, and we'll and we'll get through this, and we'll get through this hopefully uh, better than what we were before all this madness started. Um, oh, okay, and you know, and at, at, at this moment, at least in America. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know off the top of my head worldwide numbers of deaths, but in America we're, we're close to 145,000 dead people in the span of seven months. So 145,000 dead people in the span of seven months. Please don't let that leave your minds in your search for information. So... Uh, all right. Um, so anyway, um, you can find me at MMAM Podcast on Twitter. You can find me at MMAM Podcast at, um, on Facebook. Uh, and you can email me at Podcast at gmail.com. All right, everybody. Take it easy. Bye.